Welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. This is our fourth episode. We're having Jason Church on, um, Southern Regional Pole Vault Coach. We'd like to thank you for listening, and we'd like to thank our sponsor, UCS Spirit, the world's leading pole. Uh, the world records are on UCS Spirit. Um, their poles have produced more medals at world leading uh, championships than any other pole out there. Um, like I said before, it's the most consistent brand. You know you're going up five pounds when, you're, when you order a pole that's five pounds up. And the people of UCS Spirit are more than happy to help assist you in any way possible with deciding on what your next pole should be for your athlete. Um, again, we'd, love, we'd like to announce that um, Apex Vaulting will have poles in stock and available for sale. Um, you don't have to pay for shipping. You can come down to the club, buy your poles here. Um, which is awesome. Great, uh, great opportunity. Um, make sure to like us on Facebook, um, follow us on Instagram at the real apex vaulting. And we also have our Twitter and you can also check out our podcast on SoundCloud, Google play and iTunes as well. Thanks again for joining us. So want to introduce Jason church, uh, our guest for the podcast today. Uh, just a little bit of background on him. He started out as a student assistant at KU. That's Kansas University, not Cutstown, just in case people are wondering. And, uh, you know, he was there, what what years was it, Jason? Uh, 95 to the spring of 98. Okay, and that's, that's when Rick Attic was coaching there. Yes. And he had that crew of Scott Huffman and Pat Manson, yeah. among others. So ama- amazing background. And then you ended up coaching uh, Division II national champ, uh, Jen Bass, yes. who will, um, uh, ended up uh, qualifying for the Olympic trials in 2000. Um, so Jason has a plethora of knowledge, and he is now the uh, Southern Regional uh, Jumps coach, um, amazing pole vault coach. He's had state champs in New Jersey. Uh, his kids have gone on to jump at Northeastern, Cincinnati, and you know other other colleges. Um, so we want to bring him in today to kind of get that whole perspective of you know college coaching, high school coaching, and then you know talk about the the high school coaching versus club coaching and how that can work together. Um, so I mean, I, I guess Jason, let's start out with your background. I mean, what was it like to be in? In Kansas, when Rick Attig was coaching with that crew, I mean, you had Scott Huffman, the former American record holder. He was when I got yeah, there. right. Yeah. And and Pat Manson. I mean, that that had to be amazing. You know, uh, it was it was amazing because they were all very supportive. They all they treated me like I was their equal when when I wow. really wasn't. You know, um, Rick taught me everything everything I know technically about pole vaulting and the jumps in general, which you know I do all those, but. Um, Having Scott and Pat there, they were there in the beginning, and it was the it was the '96 Olympic year when I got okay. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scott made the team, and Pat just missed. But uh, I got to see those guys practice all the time, and and they would they would ask me like what I thought. <laughs> and I yeah. Just, my, and then when I realized they were serious, then, then I started to think about what I was going to say and what I was looking at. And right. I think right. That was really important in my development as a coach. Do you feel like you were spoiled? Like that was the first like serious pole vaulting you were watching and you know. I was really spoiled. <laughs> and, and we had, you know, we had good guys on the team too. We had 18 footers and, and then uh, a couple of years later the women were just getting into the NCAA and we, mm-hmm. we, were up, we were on the ground floor with that. Right. So I was lucky, yeah. And I worked all his camps, you know, the summer camps, we did winter camps. Um, so I was just thrown at Yeah, I, I, was, I can't imagine. And just going back to what you said earlier, I, I feel like, you know, maybe people don't realize this enough, but really good coaches, really good athletes are more than willing to help people out. Yeah. You know, you, you might think someone like a Rick Attic with, with his background, you know, coaching that crew in Kansas and things he did in Nebraska um, and even at the high school level, you might think that guy like, oh, he's, you know, he's not going to want to talk to me. But, you know, people want to help. Well, I'll never forget when I – I had visited Kansas in the previous winter. My dad had talked me into going to meet the meet the coaches there. I was going to go back to school, and uh, I met Rick in his office. And I remember he goes, "You've done some coaching," and at the time, I'd done a little bit of high school coaching yeah. with my dad and some other places. But um, he goes, "That's great. I need someone who can coach, and right. I'm not looking for a manager. You know, I'm not looking for just someone to 
uh, put the bar up and right, hold a right, video right. camera. Although I did those things a lot, right, but right. Um, that was really kind of overwhelming. You yeah, know? he was. He was. I certainly knew who he was and and who he was coaching. So that was cool. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I guess to go off of a, a, a earlier podcast, you know, we had Jim B. Miller on. Uh, you know, UT coach, uh, he coached Lawrence Johnson and Tim Mack in, in college and Tim Mack to the Olympic championship in 2004. You know, he, he brought up that idea of like, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities. You know what I mean? It's like, what a great opportunity you had. And you were able to like soak in all that knowledge. Like, oh my God, like I, I can't imagine what it must have been like watching, you know, Scott Huffman practice, you know? Yeah, like I go to school during the day like a regular college kid <laughs> And then go to the indoor track, and you never knew who would be working out in there, you know. And when those guys were around, it was really special. A lot of times, I missed I missed dinner at the dining hall, but I, <laughs> I didn't care, you know. Yeah, I I I'd skip dining hall dinner to yeah. watch a, an Olympian. Uh, it was many practice. a night where I was, you know, getting a delivery pizza instead of going to the dining hall, but that was okay, you know. Yeah, There's something interesting. I remember you telling me about uh, Scott Huffman specifically. Did you tell me once, I think, that he really didn't do long approach stuff in practice Never, ever? Never, that I saw. One time. But um, I'll remember the one time. But, but uh, he worked on three lefts, five lefts, all day long. Slide box. He was always working on takeoff. Yeah. Well, and he f- why, would, why would he – what did he say? Why, what was his reasoning behind only doing, well, like, the, the drill stuff? He was, he was a short – he was very fast. So he felt like the, the long run wasn't the biggest work. He, had, he was a right. laser. Um, but he was he was short. He was five seven, um, right. So takeoff was really important for him to maximize his grip. He yeah, was gripping lower than most of the guys he was jumping against, and he also felt like he had a he had a habit of, of taking off a little too under, and that's where the Huffman roll kind of came from. It, right. He, yeah. He described it as something that happened out of necessity. He, he couldn't. He didn't have time. To right. Yeah. Yeah. He was and just was trying to catch up. Improvisation, which is amazing to think that yeah. he did that in midair. Just react to the bar, but yeah, well, he always felt like his clean jumps were his best, even though right. You know, but you watch that nineteen seven jump, and yeah. it's just unreal. But there was know? a time in practice in uh, in the stadium outdoors um, where things were just perfect. And uh, I, I, I hate to interrupt you oh, one second, just so people understand. I know you might be hearing noise in the background. We're at our training <laughs> facility, and there's people like squatting and benching and all that kind of stuff. So I apologize for the noise, but just so you don't think anybody's getting murdered in the background. <laughs> But one of my favorite stories, it was it was it was in '96, the Olympic year, and he jumped in the Olympics that year. But uh, we're, we're, he was just having a regular practice, and things were going really well. And by the end of the day, it was just me and him out there, and I was helping him yeah. adjust the standards. Mm-hmm. And he got to the point where he was jumping so high, he was jumping six meters plus. And <sighs> the two, God. I'm not tall either. Yeah. The two of us weren't tall enough to, to raise the, the standards high enough. We had to go grab somebody. Oh, yeah. And he was jumping over six meters that day. And then he felt some little twinge in his hamstring or something. And it set him back. And he was never quite the same that season or really ever again. Yeah. But 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 he did end up making the team because he was that good that yeah. year. Um, but that was just a really special day. And whenever I see him periodically or trade an email with him, I always bring that up. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure he still remembers it too. But but he does. Yeah. No, it, it's it. – and that's an amazing thing too, how, you know, from a coaching perspective and then from an athlete's perspective, you have those special days and you never forget them. You yeah, know? I was just this 20, 20, I guess 23 at the time, just a punk. And just, I, I was just, I just like hanging out, yeah. you know, with him, but he was really popping some jumps that day. Yeah, I remember I, that. And I, can't, I can't even imagine just sitting there and just watching Scott Huffman jump like, a, you know, and, six meters and roughly. I'm like, yeah, you know? yeah, you're right. 13 that time, yeah. <laughs> watch his take up like an idiot. Man. Oh, I don't man. Think he cared. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned also before, you know, your dad kind of uh, pushing you towards going to Kansas. Yeah. You know, um, for people that don't know, you know, your dad is Ed Church. He was the longtime head coach at Hackensack High School in New Jersey. I mean, you want to tell people a little bit of background about your dad and how that was an influence in your track uh, well, career? Well, my dad was coaching at Hackensack from the, from, before the time I was born, so uh, when the team started to build up in the 70s, when I was a little boy, I was a track rat. I was always going around mm-hmm. the team, going to meets. I mean, I can remember watching uh, 1980 Olympic hockey games in a, in a gym <laughs> at a shot put meet, like right, right, probably right. At Garfield. Yeah, crying out loud, right. Yeah, there's that Garfield shot put meet. Yeah, and uh, but my dad, you know, he 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 never he didn't have a track background, so he got into it. 
because he was trying to become a football coach as a young mm-hmm. teacher. But so he built up more and more knowledge about coach and track. And I think he was one of the early guys in in, in Bergen County, North mm-hmm. Jersey, that really embraced the pole vault. And he had some really good guys in the seventies and eighties when I was a little boy. And I just really enjoyed hanging around pole vault pit. Guys were throw me over the, the crossbar and stuff. <laughs> and so when I was old enough, you know, I started vaulting too in high school yeah. and I was never very good, but but we had we had a good group of guys. Yeah. But but my thank thank goodness my dad, you know, he was into it. You know, yeah. he, he you know if they were you know if you were around back then he probably yeah. would have sent me here to jump <laughs> with you. But. Well yeah I it, it, it it's so awesome like you know because your, your dad looked at the whole picture like you were talking about. It's like, there's points yeah. in the pole vault. We are a track and field team. We need to have pole vaulters. Yeah. And it's amazing how sometimes there's a lot of teams out there. The event gets completely ignored. Yeah, they just know? assume that they're not going to have them. Yeah. Uh, that's foreign to me to, to think yeah. that way. Right, you right. Know, if, I have to, if we don't have shop putters, I'm going to go find some shop putters, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you got to do what you got to do as far as a, as a – you know, head coach and looking at the team perspective. Um, so what what happened after Kansas? So you, you had your time at Kansas, obviously amazing experience. Um, what? How did you end up coaching this Division II national champion, you know, Jen Bass? Like, what, what, what was the next step for you? Well, uh, I, grad, I finished my undergrad at Kansas. I was an undergrad while I was there. When I finished that, um, the guy that was coaching our distance runners – was an alum at South Dakota State, mm-hmm. Division II school at the time, uh, up in South Dakota, and he got the job to be the head coach there. Um, and he had this one girl that was really good, and then she was jumping, I think 11.9 was her PR. Okay. And, and the mid-90s, that was pretty doggone good for yeah, women. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she had one season left, and he called me, and he said, look, I, I need someone that can coach Paul Walt, at least for this next year. You yeah. Know, uh, a couple of bucks, you know. You coach the ballers. We got some guys. We got some girls. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of decided that I was going to do it. Yeah. And uh, I had never been in South Dakota before until <laughs> the day I moved there. And yeah. So it happened really fast. After I left Kansas, I went home. I was back here in New Jersey for just a couple of months, and next thing I know, I was in Brookings, South Dakota, <laughs> living in his ba- living in the head coach's basement for yeah. until I got my own place, but. People don't uh, get sometimes the sacrifices that people make for track. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing. You know, you you're willing to do that because you saw an opportunity. You know, to, I think I made to not, I think I made like nine hundred dollars a month. <laughs> yeah, the whole time I was there, and I was I was coaching a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And ultimately, that's kind of why I left. But right, uh, right. Yeah. And so, and who was that that eleven nine girl? That that was Jen. Jen, yeah, that was Jen. Jen Bass, and and she was from a small town, in Minnesota. And uh, she had one season left in outdoor, and it was the mm-hmm. first year that the women jumped in Division Two NCAA. Okay. It was '99. D1 started in '98. Okay. My last year at Kansas. Okay. But, uh, and I will never forget. I still, I still keep her. I gave every all the kids goal sheets when I first got there, the same ones that that Rick gave us at Kansas. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I just changed the year in the school on them, <laughs> and she gave one back to me. I'll never forget it. And I still keep it. And uh, yeah. I said, look, pole vault is not the most important thing in my life. And she was getting married that summer. She became Jen Hofer. Some people might remember that okay. way. But, but um, she goes, it's got to be fun. If it's not fun, I will quit. I will go do something else. And that always stuck with me, and, I, and especially coaching girls and women. Yeah. And I've been you know, specializing in females for a long time now. Yeah. Um, boy, just... Just making sure she was having fun. It wasn't enough just to jump high or just to win all the time. She, yeah. In that region of the country, she won all the time. Right, right, it right. It wasn't enough. It has to be fun. Because I'm going to, you know, for her, she worked really hard. She was all in. Even though right, it, it right, might right, not right. sound like she was all in when she says something like that. Right, yeah. That's not People can get the different impression. She they could think that she's she not working hard. She worked her tail off. Yeah. And when she, yeah. So we were real lucky that year. I mean, it started off slowly, but, but um ended on, on a high note and then we had another one more year together it was fun yeah well i mean and it's interesting like you know what you said too it's like some people could you know hear you say that she wrote down on that goal sheet like it's got to be fun you know but people sometimes get caught up they're driving so hard to chase some kind of number they drive themselves crazy they they grow to hate the sport 
you know, and I think that's something that you have to constantly battle to avoid. Sure. You know, I know even with me and, you know, we, we've had plenty of phone conversations, plenty of dinners over the years where, you know, I might be talking about, you know, running the club and the amount of hours that I coach. I'm like, you know, I don't know, like, what the hell am I doing? And it's like, and I've got to kind of like, I guess, like vent a little bit decompress and then get myself amped up and ready to go again. You know what I mean? Cause it's important. You gotta be excited. You gotta, you gotta have fun with it. I mean, you, you know me, I'm probably, you know, one of the most serious people in my coaching, but it's gotta be a blast too. You know, you gotta enjoy and the kids that us, you're coaching. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think I, as serious as I was back then as a young kid and I thought mm-hmm. I was really serious. I, I stayed like that. I wouldn't be still doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. And you find different ways to have fun, but Right, right. Like I even, you know, it's funny. I don't know if this is, this goes back to Jen or if it was another college girl, but I remember me and you talking about, you know, like the morning of meets, how sometimes some of your athletes, like they might want a particular breakfast or something like that. Oh, Jen and, was, uh, it was a muffin from Perkins. I forget <laughs> the flavor, but every time we went to, we had, we'd have to find a Perkins. Yeah. So it's like, all right, like we got to do this. I want to make sure we start the day off right. And I had to, the first time she said that, I kind of laughed and she wasn't yeah. laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sure enough. And it was, you know, I didn't have a cell phone and I'm looking in the phone book in the hotel room looking for, right. Yeah. Uh, looking for a Perkins. And usually we found one, but that, but that's sometimes like the little stuff that makes it memorable. It makes the journey that, that much more fun, you know, and, it, it's Sometimes it's stressful, stuff. but yeah. yeah I can yeah. tell you where the Perkins are in a lot of Midwestern towns. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're coaching in South Dakota. So, uh, you know, again, amazing. Like, you know, your dad's Ed Church, who's, you know, a great historical high school coach. You know, he really built up that Hackensack program. Then you end up in Kansas with Rick Attic, who's arguably one of the best pole vault coaches in the history of America. You know, and you're around Scott Huffman and Pat Manson. Who do you bump into in South Dakota? He ends up coaching in that area, too. You always talk about him with me. Derek Miles, yeah. Oh, my goodness. He's still the coach. He was – now, when I was at Kansas, he was jumping for the University of South Dakota. Okay. And we used to see him a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, They used to come down to our indoor meets and Mm -hmm. Kansas relays and things like that. But uh, when I got to SDSU, he was the coach at USD, and he was just – he was just starting to rise as a baller. He was a kind okay. of a late bloomer. He, I think he, he and I are the same age. So he was like 26, 27, 28 when he really started to get right. to the upper 18s and, and beyond. Yeah, where yeah. he ended up getting. But, um, you know, in that part of the country, we were at the same meets all the time. I'm we were, sure, we were yeah. conference rivals. Yeah. And it was weird. Like, we had, I had like three guys that were all... 15-6 to like 16-6. Yeah. And he had three guys that were about the same. Right, right. And, you know, girls were just getting started, and I had a couple, he had a couple. It was There were really some great battles. Yeah. And uh, we had different ways of looking at things, but but we always got along. And yeah. I, I, I think that's interesting. I mean, because, you know, s- similarly, I mean, you know, me and you have had some of the, the best girls in the state the last few years, and, and we've had some of those battles too. Sure, and, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's amazing how, you know, that's where a lot of friendships are formed because sure. you have that mutual respect for one another when you see someone doing a great job. You know what I mean? Because you, you know the effort that it takes to get someone to that point. You know. Well, in our event, not, not too not too many people get there by accident. You know? Right. It's one thing to have a guy that can run the hundred in ten seconds flat. You know? <laughs> or like you know. Right. But, you're, but, you're not just going to pick up a pole and jump sixteen feet. You when know. You get to the, the group four meet or meet champs, and you see the same three or four coaches. You know. You know what's going on to get there. Usually. Right, right, right. Yeah, so that that's crazy. So I, I amazing background, um, you know. And so then you know you said Jen stayed on one more year. Um, she ends up going to the Olympic trials. What what did she end up jumping to go to the Olympic trials? Well, we had to do 13, 13 even I think to qualify, and okay. she did that in the first indoor meet we went to. Okay. Um, and she only, it went a little bit higher. I think thirteen one. Um, I don't think we ever got to the four meter mark or a lot. I think four oh five was like the the funded mark. Like if you hit four oh five, they would pay for your travel and stuff to get right, to the right. trials. So we were we were chasing that one. Yeah. We usually skipping four meters if we were jumping right, right. three ninety five or something like that. It, it's funny how people don't get that too. So it's like like you said. I mean, we're, I think we were talking about it earlier too. It's like so she jumped thirteen once, just shy of four meters, and people may think like, why didn't you chase four meters? Like that's a big mark. 
but Maybe like it was 415 but I don't know, it was something right. like that but but, but yeah. still it ma- it makes sense when you explain you know well we were trying to get that funded mark you know yeah, what I mean? we were chasing because so, we were broke man. right yeah <laughs> she was you know she was out of school and, and and she just got married they were living in a small apartment yeah you're trying um, to scrape I was by. making nothing and we, yeah. were, we were trying to go to these extra meets and stuff and it was you know through most of the indoor season it was easy because she can come tag along to the meets we were going to with the school team but yeah. she was out of school that right. last year and uh oh man we were trying we were jumping a car you know her little two-door hatchback taped the poles to the side and yeah go to meets in minnesota iowa nebraska we were going all over the place trying to trying to up these marks right and it was quite an, it was quite an experience but man yeah. it was all i could do to pay the rent that 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 summer especially in 2000 yeah, yeah i mean I, I really again going back to it I, th- I think people don't realize how hard it could be as a post-collegiate if you're chasing those marks and you're really trying to go yeah. to usa's i know in the last podcast i had uh, a post-collegiate vaulter on andrew flores who you know he's not competitive like he's not trying to go to usa's he's just having fun but if you're one of those people that's chasing marks and you're trying to get to usa's it could be a huge expense because you can't a lot of times, you, I mean, and maybe you can explain better than I can, a lot of times it's not the same. You can't go to a little meet that's local where no. you're not going to have competition. You need to go to those meets where you will have competition yeah. so that you can really have a good attempt at, at those we higher We sent marks. her to some meets. Uh, we sent her to Texas, and we sent her to we the beach ball in Southern California. She did that with all the right. girls. And uh, I couldn't go to some of those because I had team obligations, but but mm-hmm. it was it was a challenge, especially in the spring when when. Late in the spring, when everything is about team stuff, right? It's very, very few hard to go to, and you're, we're trying to set up for the trials, which are that year. They were mid July. There's just May and June. There was nothing to go to. Right. It was tough. Thank yeah. goodness we got the mark out of the way early. But right. So there was a lot less stress on her. But man, she was something. She was so dedicated. Like, uh, she was living, I think, an hour and a half away from us. Wow. And she would come in twice a week and jump, and she was doing. You know, in the winter, South Dakota, Minnesota, you can't imagine what winters are like there. But, <laughs> but she was doing workouts in the basement of, her, of the local high school. And right. And she really worked her tail off. And it, yeah. was, it, was, it was fun. I wish, wish we had another year before that trial of fun. Right, right, it was, right. It was, it was a tough way to go out. But, yeah. But I was proud of her. You know, I, I would imagine if you were a 13-foot girl back then, it was very, yeah, very was, competitive. 35 to 40 probably in the whole country then. Right, that yeah. could jump that bar. And then yeah. and then you have Stacey Dragila. Like, yeah, <laughs> she was just on another planet, you know? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think people still to this day, I don't I don't know that they give Stacey enough credit. I mean, her, I think her lifetime best ended up being 15-10. I mean, I know she's just shy of that 16-foot yeah. mark, but when she, when she did it was so impressive. You know, I mean, that's... Like, you know, most of the rest of the country is jumping 14 or under, and she's at 15-10. Like, I can't even imagine what that was like. She came to the, to the Kansas Relays when I was at Kansas, and she jumped 13-6 for the American record. And wow. I was flabbergasted. And what, wait, what year was that? 96 or 97, maybe. Wow. Um, I got to drive her to the airport. I was really, <laughs> I was really excited. She was really pretty, too. Though. Yeah. <laughs> we about the same age, you know. And, yeah. But she was already married. <laughs> Her husband's really nice. I yeah, got to meet him yeah. a few times. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. I think she, 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 she's a great ambassador. Like she's always there, signing autographs, shaking hands, taking a picture, always smiling. Probably, maybe not always when she felt. Yeah, yeah. Felt good, but you know, there were some other girls that were jumping pretty high, but they weren't. They weren't not doing at what that she level. was doing, and, yeah. and she was. She embraced it. I think yeah. that's important. Like she was, she was a true ambassador and a pioneer for the women. Right. If yeah. Not in our country, the whole world, you know. Yeah. No. That that's it's it's so amazing, you know. Um, so, what what led to you not coaching college anymore? Like, why? How'd you end up at Southern Regional High School in New Jersey? Well, I left SDSU. I just I decided I didn't want to be poor anymore. It just, <laughs> it just wasn't working out in yeah. terms of progressing. Um, I got I I came home and I, I was done and then. Uh, I found out about Opportunity in Michigan. I had a friend in Michigan, and uh, I coached Eastern Michigan. They, they gave me some grad school credits. and Okay. So I did that for two years, but uh, I really didn't get along with, with the head coach that well. We just had, we just had very different ways of looking at things. Mm-hmm. And also the grad school thing wasn't quite what I was looking for. 
Right. So I ended up leaving there, and then I ended up at St. Francis which, uh, in Pennsylvania, which was great, but, and I mm-hmm. finished my grad school. So okay. um, they, when I finished grad school there, there really was nothing there for me to stay on. They didn't right. have staff money to give position, me. Yeah. So uh, I went home, and uh, I was applying for jobs all over the country. And I, I never thought about really going back to high school, and then... A friend of mine who had jumped at KU Cutstown um, <laughs> was coaching at Southern Regional. Okay. So we were good friends um, from childhood. Okay. And uh, she was not staying. She was going on to do something else. And uh, she goes, look, you're here. And I was living in the area. And, and uh, meet, come meet this guy. He's going to need a coach. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, Brian Zatorski, who's the head, co- head coach of Southern, a girls coach, mm-hmm. uh, he and I sat down. I met him and we sat down and we talked like you and I do for two right. hours, three hours until he had to kick me out because he had to do something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, next thing you know, I, I was coaching there with him and it was great because it was, here, here's a guy who, first of all, he let me do it my way, you know, but mm-hmm. it was a team that was really ready to do stuff. They just, they need a little something extra. Yeah. Well, and and you guys definitely runners. did some stuff that you guys were impressive. Thank you. But, uh, but, uh, I was really lucky, and but but even after that first year, I I, I was applying for jobs. You know, right, I was right. looking to go back to college. It really just didn't occur to me that this might be where I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You know, that was 2006. So here we are. I'm still there. And yeah, the team's well, still doing pretty good. So so you you end up at Southern. You start coaching out. What 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 do you think were the differences, or what? What were some of the things that you liked better about coaching uh-huh. high school? And maybe what were some of the things that you didn't like? Um, I think it, it's tougher because the time just isn't the same. I mean, we just don't have the time to practice. There's, there's right. a bus when the kids have to go home. Right. Um, you have two or three weeks before your first meet from the time of first practice, you know. And yeah, it's a big rush. Um, I mean, I, you know, that was the hardest thing, and I, and I had to streamline the way I did things. You know, I couldn't do them the way I did them in college. I couldn't do lots of drills and plyometrics. And next thing I know is, boy, really, all the kids I want to jump, I'm going to have to share them with, with the, the hurdles coach yeah. or, or, the, or the, sometimes the distance coach. And there just isn't going to be time to do all those other things, you know. So it was a big adjustment, and, and, and it was tough because I yeah. was very – by the time I got to Southern, I kind of had things the way – Right, I you, you developed you know, a system, system. Yeah, really works, and uh, so that was tough. But but one of the things I learned fairly quickly, and it was something that that Rick Rick Attic said when mm-hmm. I think you were there too, when we saw him speak in Reno. In Reno, yeah. And he had just gone back to coach in high school himself, mm-hmm. and he said that he felt like he could have a, a bigger role in their lives as high school students than as college students. Like he could have more of an impact, mm-hmm. not just as an athlete, but as a person. And I, that really kind of stuck with me. Like, yeah, I, I really, you know, at the time that was my second year, and I was kind of hemming and hawing about what I was doing, and it really made me feel good about about what I was doing as a high school coach. Yeah, it it is very different. I mean, I, you certainly can have an impact on a college athlete, um, but you know, some of these kids in high school they might be heading in the wrong direction, and this sport might steer them oh, in the right no direction. Question, yeah. You might have kids that are, maybe are even like, they might even drop out within a couple of years sure. from high school where now they're starting to think about college. You know, they're starting about th- thinking about a career and something yeah. down the road. And that, you know, you can't say enough about that. that that's, of course, awesome. Forget about even like PRs and championships and stuff like that. I mean, it's just amazing to help guide somebody and, you know, set them on the right path, you know. Um, so, who was your first athlete at Southern? I know you often told me like that's the reason you stayed. <laughs> well, I had Ashley Furlong, who, who was uh, it was her junior year when I got when I got here, and he and she, um, she her PR was like eight six, but she was a good all around athlete. She had good hurdle times. She could long a triple, high jump. Mm-hmm. She'd do anything, and we ended up actually doing the pentathlon at indoor nationals one year. Okay, but, but um, she went from. Eight six to ten, ten ish by like probably like the second or third dual meet that we went to in April. Wow! <laughs> and, and you know it was weird because it was my first year coaching right. high school, and I'm just kind of doing things like I do in college, and she's making progress just like I would with maybe a, a 
a college freshman right. coming out of high school. Right. So to me, it wasn't a big deal, but I look back on it now, and I'm like, wow. That was like huge, yeah. I mean, she was using, we were going to poles, just smashing through poles. I had to borrow poles from my dad at Hackensack and drive up and pick up poles. And <laughs> You're borrowing, like, guys' poles from Hackensack. She ended the year probably on a 13-150, I mean, gripping as high as you can. And she jumped... She jumped 11 at the Mew Champs and got a medal in her junior year. Like, went from 86 to 11 at a Mew Champs medal. Wow. Um, I was pretty excited. Like, if, if I, okay, if I stay here, I got this girl right. know, for another year. We're going to. Yeah, you're going to do something special. The world. And, yeah. But, it, but um, yeah, and Ashley was great. I mean, she was a killer. And, and, and she'd vault 11 feet or 9 feet, and she'd be ready to grab a baton and run the 4x4. Wow. Give me that baton. I'm ready to go, you know? Not a lot of ballers do that. Well, and, <laughs> you know, and, and that's funny because I think that's something that's so special about Southern Regional High School track, which I know we've talked about this a lot, is that you guys fostered such a team atmosphere that those girls want to fight for each other. You know what I mean? I, it's, it's crazy because you don't always see it on teams like that, you know? Because I, I, I have certainly the, the type of kids that they're sometimes on teams where it's like, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, and I'm trying to get my marks, and I'm not really concerned about some of the other stuff. Well, there's always some of that, but yeah. we're, we're lucky. The, the kids get, they, get the, they, they put the team before themselves virtually always, and, and we've been lucky. Yeah, I mean, how many, so just, and just so the audience understands, the way New Jersey works is there's kind of almost like a playoff system for, for states. You have your sectional meet where you go against teams in your geographic region, in your school size then you go to state groups where you go against the entire state of uh, same size schools and then state meet of champs which is completely individual but you qualify from state groups how many state group titles and southern is in group four which is the big school uh group how many state titles have you guys won we've won see i should that many you, we, we did well we just won our fourth outdoor Fourth outdoor, okay. And, and we've won three indoors. Wow. That's awesome. And that's, yeah. Uh, th- this one was really awesome. It came down to, I mean, it came down to a tenth of a second. Wow. And we beat the school at one almost every one since, since we won our last one. Yeah, so that yeah. was kind of nice. But, yeah, I, and you asked the difference about, about coaching college and, and, and high school. Uh, the thing, one of the things I really like, and, uh, and, and Brian, our head coach, he calls it the burden of team. Yeah. We have the burden of team. Yeah. Chase and Marks is one thing for all our kids, and we've right. had all-American distance runners and everything, but but it, it all comes back to team, and, and our best kids are, are, are doing four events whenever there's right. a trophy on the line, and we need them. Yeah. And 99% of the time, they never beg off. I mean, right. So. Uh, that's, that's awesome. You know, and, and I know even for me, like, you know, when I, when I try to catch up with you at a meet and stuff like that, there's always former athletes there who are supporting the team, which is awesome to see. Because yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these other teams, like once the kid graduates, that's it. They're they're never back. There's again, a lot of that too, know? but but yeah, you hope they come back, and, and yeah. we're always happy to see them. Right. Yeah. And, and people like Ashley who come back, and she ends up helping me out a lot, which has been great over the years. She's been my you know a part-time volunteer pole vault assistant when, whenever I need her, and <laughs> right. she's around. I can lean on her, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think a topic that I wanted or kind of like bring this back is, you know, with Jim B. Miller, we discussed the importance of like mentorship, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like how, I mean, obviously like I, I think through this conversation, everybody can see how appreciative you are of your, you know, chances to work with Rick Attig and see Scott and Pat jump and, and even like, you know, coaching against Derek Miles, um, what would be your advice for someone who's starting out coaching, you know, or I guess even jumping, like, what are they supposed to do? How do you search out a mentor? Like, how do you find one? Like, I mean, I know you got very lucky in your situations, but I mean, could you maybe explain like the kind of attitude that people need to have to get that mentorship, you know? That's tough because, you know, where we live, there aren't too many pole vault coaches around to, to, to lean on, but but yeah, certainly if you have the opportunity to be to be a student coach at a, a big university or or a graduate assistant like I did, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you got to be willing to grab that and, and roll with it. But I, I think 
uh, when I when I was do, when I was a young coach doing those things, you, have, you can't be afraid to to ask questions and and yeah. go to camps and, and clinics and and just absorb as much as you can. And, and it was different. And nowadays, it's great. The internet, video, YouTube videos. I, I tell my kids to watch YouTube all the time. But right, right. But there's so much out there. But but just you know, even when I left Kansas, you know, I wasn't afraid to call Rick and say, you know, what do yeah. I do here? You know, what do I do there? I, I, but I think just immerse yourself in the event as much as you can and hang around coaches and and, and take advantage of the opportunities that are out there. And yeah. I'm sure if a coach wanted to just can't come hang out and watch you oh. do your thing up here, you would welcome them and let them. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. You and, know, and I've had parents, mostly parents, not too many coaches, <laughs> but but parents from from my school or other schools will come and watch our practices because they're trying to figure out what's going on but right 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 yeah, i think i think so much of what my my coaching ability right now is based in my my experience from being around it i can't right. imagine how many jumps i've watched over the years but, yeah yeah but just experience is, is the ultimate thing yeah i i definitely got to chase those experiences and like you said you have to be willing to ask people questions or reach out to people yeah you know i, I think sometimes again people are shocked to find out, but a help. lot of people are open. You know, they want to help. In our world, yeah. yeah. I think pole vault coaches don't get caught up in their own <laughs> right, yeah, press clippings tr- or anything like that. But We're not trying to hide, yeah. Yeah, I think I get excited when someone wants to learn or, or uh, yeah, I won't, I won't say someone by name, but we have a person in, in our division of my conference who's doing really a good job at his school and he just mm-hmm. he doesn't know a lot about pole vault or poles and stuff but he he's uh, when he sees me man he comes right over and he always has a question kind of ready to go for me right and i encourage him like I, you're doing a great job i'm like i should be asking you questions you know? <laughs> but that's good to see i wish more guys would you know want guys and girls would do yeah, that yeah yeah you know and i guess this kind of leads into to another topic that I, I wanted to discuss with you is like you know, I think sometimes, you know, we can be get competitive, you know, and maybe that coach is afraid to ask you a question. I'm sure some coaches think I'm pretty crazy. <laughs> but um, but then that kind of brings into, like, the high school coaches versus club coaches, and a lot of times that could be seen as a competitive thing where, you know, I've, I've been trying to kind of get this idea across that the clubs can be a huge value, you know, and, I mean, heck, I'm a club coach, you know, you're a high school coach and we're doing this podcast together. Like what, what do you see? Like how can a club be a help to you? And how have you seen maybe some club coaches go wrong over the years? Like what are some things that they need to avoid, you know, to kind of, cause I always want to come across as very friendly and helpful. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'm pretty happy and I feel fortunate that a lot of people do see me as a value. You know, and they appreciate anything, any way that I can help them. But I know that some people still don't see clubs as a positive. Sure. You know? So, what what do you think? What are what are the ways that they can be helpful, and what are sometimes some of the things that you've seen where you're like, oh my god, I can't believe this guy. Well, just I'll be did honest. That. I mean, when, when I first got to Southern, when I first came back to high school coaching. Right. I, I saw it as a very adversarial thing. Right. I, I when I saw when I saw the club coaches, I I felt like. I still remember there there were some people wearing like the no clubs shirt. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and at the time I I said to the, to the guy I want one of those. Yeah. You know? I don't know yeah. if I would ever have the guts to wear it, but <laughs> but I really saw it that way. And 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 obviously, and I I told you this before. Certain college coaches kind of they didn't want to hear from me because I wasn't a club coach. Right. Right. But um, obviously, what's good about it? I mean, obviously, you're helping kids that otherwise wouldn't have a chance to jump. You know, a lot of schools right. have, don't have holes. Don't have a pit. Yeah, um, and they're not going to, right? And, that, and that's a shame. That that's a problem. Yeah, definitely. But you know, obviously, you're you're, you're providing an opportunity for for kids that otherwise wouldn't have it. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, I see. You know, I see a lot of good in some areas where where the the club coach and the school coach can kind of be side by side. I, I think it'd be tough for me. You know, right? Yeah, I definitely. But <laughs> I certainly wouldn't. How does it help? Like you had a place, you know, we have snow on the ground and freezing temperatures for for six weeks straight. Bronco, can I bring my girls up and, and can they jump right on a Sunday yeah. afternoon with your group? Yeah, of right? course. And we've done that. I mean, yeah, if you weren't here. 
you know, we would have had no practices in it. So, right. so there's that. And obviously the club has access to, pol- uh, sorry, access no, no to, pol- I'm looking at stuff, but, yeah. um, you know, you can loan poles to people and you know, otherwise it doesn't happen. I've borrowed poles from you. I've right. broken your poles. Yeah. I, I remember that time. But, um, it's tough, but but I think what I'd really like to see is just more more school coaches develop. I mean, I, and I don't Absolutely. think I don't think that hurts the clubs necessarily, but I just like you know. Well, and and just a plug for a second, um, you know, you like school coaches learning. I feel the same way. I I want school coaches to be more knowledgeable in the event, and I do understand that our event is difficult. It's not it's not an easy event, and. Um, what I'm planning, and I'm going to send emails out soon for the local guys, is I'm going to do a coaches clinic the Monday after Thanksgiving. So anybody who's interested in that, you know, feel free to email me and ask. But you know, I, w- I would love to get as many coaches as possible. Bronco, that's our first day of practice. Oh well, I know. I asked. I asked an athletic director. I said, "Should I do it? You know, the Friday after Thanksgiving, the Saturday, or the Monday?" He told me Monday would be the best day. I, I, if you're nearby, obviously, I yeah, think that's yeah. a good thing. So, I mean, anybody that wants to come by, I think that would be awesome. And then I was going to even say, like, you know, the first 10 coaches that reach out, if they want to bring their athlete with them, it's and this will be completely free, no no charge. So I just want, I want people to learn because I think, like you said, one, for our sport, it only helps. The more people that know it, the more people that are teaching it, the more people that are encouraging athletes to try it, it helps us out because there's going to be more athletes. It's going to be more competitive, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think more high school coaches should know the event. Um, what, have you, what have you seen from club coaches that maybe you don't like that, you know, and I'm probably going to agree with everything that you say, but. Uh, well, in the past, we've had club coaches uh, contact our kids without contacting wow. us first. Right, yeah. And that kind of bugs me. I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll send your info along to our kid, but just do it through me, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's, you, you know, know, they're like trying to poach your athlete. That's, yeah. that's weird. And the thing that I find weird about that always is like, especially in a situation like yours, and, you know, maybe maybe some people weren't aware in the past or whatever, but it's like, you have the great credentials. You know what you're doing. You've coached some great athletes. And you get Ashley from 8-6 to 10-10-6 in a few weeks. And now that she's at 10-10-6, now somebody wants to coach her. You're a little bit late. <laughs> that ship has sailed already. You know what I mean? Like, so I always find that hysterical, you know? Um, what, what about, like, what have you seen maybe at meets that you, you don't like and stuff like that? Sometimes the... Uh You'll see coaches that uh, it's not just club guys either, but but usually, yeah, um, you see club coaches kind of taking over the event and uh, adjusting the pit or the standards, putting marks oh, on the God. runway. Yeah. Um, you know, like you're, you know, they're overstepping their boundaries a little bit. You know, yeah. they assume that the officials don't know what they're doing. Right. And sometimes they don't, but generally, in my neck of the woods, our officials are pretty sharp, and and I don't, you know. Right, they know right. what they're doing. They don't need your help, and right. I mean, and and you're right. I mean, you can see a high school, college, or club coach. But it's like I, my thing is always there's always the coach that thinks the standards are off, <laughs> yeah. you know. And it's like it might be off by a quarter inch, yeah. and they want to they want to delay the event for a half an hour to zero out the standards. And it's like, look, it's a quarter inch off for everybody. <laughs> Just make the adjustment. You know yeah. what I mean? So. You know, yeah, I definitely see that a lot. And I think people have to learn to avoid that. I know even I was talking the other day, um, you know, when I coach college, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, I coach Rainbow College, pole vault. When I coach college, I behave a certain way because that's my team. Those are my athletes 100%. You know, those are the kids that I'm charged with. And so I might, you know, be a little bit more stern if something's not going the way I would like it to be. But as a club coach, when I'm at a high school meet, I always try to have a low profile. You know, I'm there to help people. You know, obviously I have some club athletes there, but I'm very respectful towards any of their high school coaches. If they have a high school pole vault coach, I don't coach them. Um, and I'm certainly not getting in the way of officials. I mean, I'll be the first to help out if an official needs help with something. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, like, you know, Victor has asked me for duct tape or something, you know, whatever. And he knows I have it because I have that huge backpack with me. But I'm staying out of the way. 
Like, I am not going to be running onto the runway and yelling and barking about something. And I feel like people don't really get that, you know. I mean, that might be even good advice just in general, but I think certainly for a club coach, you know, you've got to kind of calm down, you know. Well, just remember, you're, you're not the star the athlete is. Oh, you man, know? yeah. I, if there's room for me to get further away from the pit, I do. Yeah. And obviously, a lot of places we go, there isn't that opportunity. But like, we used to go to, you know, football stadiums, things yeah. like that. I love that. I love being 30, 40 yards away. Yeah, and I can yeah. see better, and people don't even know I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think, you know, the athletes are the star. But I'm hoping at least a little bit through this podcast people get to know who you are because I think Jason Church as a coach, you know, you've been doing some amazing stuff, and people should know, you know what I mean? And that is important. I mean, a lot of those kids, you know, maybe wouldn't have those opportunities that they've had without you. You know, would would Jen Bass have made the Olympic trials without you? I don't I don't know. Would Ashley Furlong ended up jumping twelve six? I don't know. You know what I mean? But you've definitely you've definitely helped all those people. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, I guess one one uh, note that I wanted to make was, you know, you saying that the kids are the stars. You know, they're the athletes out there performing. And I'm not going to name names, but how many times did you hear about certain club coaches that would like just take pictures with state champs, just take state, you know, pictures with state champs and post on their website? And it's like, it's crazy. Like I would never want to take credit for somebody that I didn't coach. And um, we were just talking about this before. You know, it's like there's sometimes, unfortunately, in pole vault, this communal attitude at a meet where everybody's coaching kids together. And, you know, everybody wants to be the, the guy who's like up a grip, back a half, or go up a pole. And like, see, I got that kid to PR. But what, what were we saying before? Well, at the end of the day, you know, and again, I don't want to speak bad to anybody. But, but that oh, always yeah. did bug me. When, when, right. And, and, and that was particularly bad when I was in Michigan. There was a lot of great people there, a lot of great vaulters and coaches. And, but, man, I had a good one there. And, and, and people just jump in and, and start talking to her without even talking to me. And... <laughs> I'm like, I was brought here to coach her, you know. But, right, yeah. But anyway, at the end of the day, it's about beating people and, and winning and jumping and jumping. You know, you don't you never trade a PR. Yeah. You never trade a PR for a win, you know. Right. Uh, uh, I, I I even Scott. A lot of people are not like that. Yeah, you know? well, they'd rather jump high than win. And Scott Houston actually said something interesting to me this summer. I was at high school nationals, and I thought he made an important note. He goes, "Look, he goes, I used to just think about hitting marks." And I was starting to have a rough time. And then another guy told me, he goes, look, he goes, Scott, if you win every meet you go to, what do you have to jump at least? What do you think? Scott was like, oh, I don't know, like 17.6, 17.8. said, all right. So then you get to pick the bar next, right? So you'll be jumping at that mark that you want to hit, right? He's like, well, yeah. So he goes, so instead of focusing on the mark, why don't you just focus on winning and you'll probably get to that mark? You know, and I, th- I think, like you said, if you, you win every time, right, you'll hit the marks you want. Yeah, exactly. You'll you'll climb that, that ladder. That was always our philosophy. You know, we had really big time distance runners when I first got to Southern, like national champion high school runners who were all Americans and right, the Big right. Ten. And you know, distance community is a totally different thing. There's 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 a thousand distance runners for every pole vault coach, right? Right, right, right. Um, and, and people were always up our head coaches. Knows about yeah. when are they going to run fast? When are they going to run? They'll run fast when they have to. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, Danielle ended up running a national class record for right. fifteen hundred meters. Jillian was, you know, she ran two hundred three or something. Was a national champion eight hundred meters. Like, if they just win every time, yeah. At some yeah. point, they'll have to run fast, and they yeah. will. Yeah. And it's the same thing, you know. If you if you just focus on winning, and I, you know, we haven't talked about Chelsea, but but Chelsea was like that, you know. It, if she had to make 10-6 to win, she usually made 10-6. Yeah, she, Ch- Chelsea Moe was definitely a competitor. there were a couple of girls training up here who <laughs> who made her jump 12 or 12-6, she found a way, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would remember seeing Chelsea jump, and sometimes even warm-ups didn't go so well. And I'd be like, ah, we're, a we're, lot of times. <laughs> we're, we're going to be all right. You know, she almost got the standard on that one. And then it was like the meet starts, and wow, like complete change, you know? Super competitor. She's got a real gift for, for competing, and I think she's underrated for that. Everybody yeah. sees the talent. but the, Well, the other thing, and kind of, and we can continue to talk about Chelsea because I think we have some interesting stories about that and her development. 
but like going back to the whole communal thing and coaches are at meets and they're trying to like take over the the calling of the shots at the meet you know it's like i almost like the meet i almost see as like kind of a crew chief on nascar day you know what i mean it's like do you get four tires do you not get four yeah, tires fill sure. up gas not fill up the gas you know and it's like yeah that's all cool right but there's more to it <laughs> yeah there's more to it and you know what I'm pretty sure we can all agree when we see a blow through that the kid has to go up a pole. Right. That's not that big of a deal. And and you always used to say this to some of my kids, the hay is in the barn. <laughs> so the real coaching is done in preseason and leading up to championship season. It's not done the day of the meet. You know, that's like that kid's either capable of getting on certain poles and jumping certain bars or they're not. And some guy saying something that day is not really gonna make a whole lot of a difference, you know? Right, I think it's so simple, like, oh, they just need to do this, and, you know, realize there's more, you know, and realize they broke up with their boyfriend that morning, or... Oh, my goodness. Or their grandmother died last night, or they failed a test, or or their car broke down, or they failed their driver's test, you know? There's so much more to it, though. You know, the wind's blowing, there's a crack in the runway right where their third left is, or something. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. There's so much more to it. And then the other thing, for me personally, is because I coach other events... I'm not always right there. Yeah. I know what's going on, but I might be at the high jump pit. I might be at the sand pit. I know what's going on. Just don't assume because I'm not there, I'm not coaching. Yeah, yeah, no, of, of course. And you know that now because you're a hot shot high jump coach oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, did, I had a girl qualify for high school, uh, high school, no, uh, Division Three Nationals uh, at Rainbow College. Hey, that's a College. big deal. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. never did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, I, what I was going to say, too, is like, you know, me, I always tend to be, like, very scientific and analytical with my coaching. And, you know, you're the guy that reminds me sometimes, like, you do have to look at that mental aspect. You know, like sure. like you said, it's like, oh, she just broke up with her boyfriend. And it's like, to me, I'm like, why, why does she care about that? She needs to go up a pole and she needs to hit this and she's got to hit this mark. And you're like, all right, Bronco, like, this she's is She's a first 16-year-old boyfriend. girl, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> this is way more important to <laughs> I know that's hard to imagine. Yeah, yeah, no. But you, you always kind of break me back down and make me realize that stuff. That's what you just very important. See that guy over there, that cute one right there? <laughs> He's looking at you. <laughs> See, this is what you get from coaching Joe's girls for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. You, you find ways to get, get them distracted when they're upset. Um, so I, I wanted to go back to, like, uh, Chelsea for a second because, you know, going back to that idea of, like, it's not just that call made at the meet, you know? And, and she was usually good enough to make her own calls. She well, just needed to. Well, know. and I think you told. By you, the end. Certainly you told me also this about yourself, which I think is a great thing and maybe a great tip for other people to hear is like, you really want the kid to tell you when they're ready to go up. Well, that's home. another one from Rick. Rick Attig told me the athlete is their own best, their own best coach. There was a time. I remember this too. This was the first year. Mm-hmm. And it was like December, so we've been through some some jumping, and it was you know one of the young guys, you know that was new to the team took a jump, and I was starting to feel a little more confident about helping them out and stuff. And so I jumped right in, and I started, you know, talking about things he should do or things he right, didn't right, do. Right. And Rick grabbed me, which you know he never did. He's such a mild mannered guy. Like he yeah. grabbed my shirt and he pulled me over. He goes, "Look, let him figure it out. Right? He's his own best coach. Let him tell you what he did wrong." Then you can tell them what you saw. Right. So I do that all the time with my girls now, and the girls are different. They crave data. Right. But, but, but I'll say, they'll come out of the pit and they'll stare at me, and I'll go, what did you think? What did you feel? Right. Well, you tell me. I'm like, you tell me first. Yeah. <laughs> and they hate that. But yeah. it does help them see things and feel things. And well, really, at the end of the day, they're the ones doing it. Right. They have to feel the difference between what feels right and what, what feels wrong. Well, and, and it was funny because you, uh, when you came in today, I was like doing a, a practice with some uh, college athletes, and you know, I saw you kind of laughing as I was talking to one of my athletes. <laughs> and I think this ties into this moment right now that we're talking about is like they have to have a feeling for it. It really doesn't matter what the heck you see as a coach or what you think as a coach if they don't understand it and they don't feel it, you know? And. and I, I think, was a boy, so yeah, he yeah. doesn't want. Yeah. He just wants to jump high. Yeah, but I, I, th- I think you're right, and I think I think the way you coach your athletes sometimes they they're way more mature and independent, 
Whereas sometimes I feel like, you know, I, I tend to be that guy and, you know, maybe it's a little bit nature of the beast. You know, I'm coaching a club session. I got 10 kids and I'm trying to get as many jumps out of them as possible. And so I'm kind of like almost force feeding them the coaching sure. sometimes. But I do, I, I, I have athletes sometimes who it's like they're so dependent on me. You know, and it's one thing, okay, you need somebody to catch your step or something. I mean, I think that never goes away. I mean, you could be a world record holder. You need someone to catch your mid or your step or whatever. But sometimes my athletes, it's almost like they're like lost if they don't have somebody to tell them all these oh, little sure. details, you know. Yeah. And it's important to try to foster that idea of, you know, development, which I actually, you know, this fall, I wrote on the one whiteboard, um, you know, the four stages of development for an athlete. Um, it's from a book called Body, Mind, Mastery by Dan Millman. And, you know, it's that idea that, yeah, sure, in the beginning stages in an athlete, you have no idea what's going on. You need that feedback from an outside source like a coach. But by the end, you should be able to, like, really feel all that stuff and make adjustments on the fly as you're doing your event. So, I, I mean, I think that's a great tip from you, like, you know, letting the kids kind of figure it out a little bit. Let them tell you their thoughts first. And then especially, like, the going up a pole, it's like, let them kind of, like, ask for it. Because then you know they're going to put it up. They're not going to run through if they ask to go yeah, up. Yeah, like some of them, the ones that are really good and really know what they're doing, they'll, they'll, they'll kind of go to the bag without, without me telling them or even right. asking. And, and as they're going to the bag and they're pulling a pole out and they're just kind of looking over their shoulder looking at me and I just nod like, yeah. I'm with you. Right, right. You know? They just need sometimes that little nudge or agreement yeah. from you to, to give them a little extra just confidence. Just to make sure. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing too. Yeah. I don't want to be too confident. Something that I thought was interesting um, with, with Chelsea Vaughn, uh, her senior year of high school, I remember, you know, we, you know, we lent you the pole at high school nationals the year before. It was her junior year, and that's when she, she broke the pole. <laughs> and uh, it was so funny. And, and actually, that, that was the thing, because at, at that point in my coaching career, I've ha I had a couple people break poles or borrow and never bring back or never. And you were like, listen, don't worry about it. We're going to get you a new pole. And I was like, okay. said that, but. Yeah, and I was like, okay, thank you, you know. But in my mind, I was like, ah, we'll see if this guy really gets me a new pole. But you guys did. You guys took care of it. Well, my ID and yeah, thank goodness. One of the things we're very lucky with at Southern, we have the support of our yeah our AD. I mean, things could be better. Yes, that you know, we things they, can always be better. But he support he likes he likes the trophies we bring home. So yeah, and I, I went home and I'll never forget. I walked into his office in the summer. You know, right. school's out, but but I said, listen, here I got some bad news. We ended up. Yeah, she won the the dang thing, but but um, she ended, we had to borrow a pole from from a, this club coach, and she broke it. And yeah. He goes, "How much did they cost?" And I said, "Well, I think it probably cost about this." I said, "I said, but here's what I'd like to do: like we're gonna need this pole and maybe some others for her right, next year." Right. And I said, "I'd like to get three poles." And he said, "He said, how much is this gonna cost?" I said, "Oh, around this to replace the one we yeah, broke yeah. to." And he said, "He said." Don't get three, get four. Yeah, that's awesome. And I went, really? He goes, he said, really? And I went, all right. Yeah. You know, and I didn't have to worry about polls for her for, you know, her senior year, which was a big relief. Yeah. You know, because we were, yeah, we're at the point where bar, beg, borrow, lie, right. cheat, well, steal, and get what she needs. But. Right. And, you know, it helps so much when you're with people that are supportive of the venture. And, you know, something like an athletic director, an athletic program that, that yeah, he's a football appreciates, guy. He, you know. They're mostly football guys, aren't they? Yeah. But but yeah. Uh, yeah, he got it. He gets it. He's yeah. still, he's still, thank goodness we have him. Yeah. yeah he's, he's very supportive. That's awesome. So, so yeah, so that ends up happening. So that's, we <laughs> kind of get to know each other through that. And then, you know, Chelsea's senior year, I have a senior, Emily Shipley, who would end up jumping 11, 10 and three quarters, I think, by outdoors. And Marley Sabatino, who was a sophomore, ended up jumping 12, six that year. They're like on fire. You know, and Chelsea starts out a little slow, right? Uh, do you want to describe state relays that year a little bit? Do you remember that? Well, I mean, I, going into that year, I mean, the, she she'd come second in the meet champs for right. junior year, and that girl had graduated. So, right. And we kind of thought we had things figured out, like who was coming back. Right, We're right. Like, All right. Well, it seems yeah, like Chelsea was definitely the top girl coming she back. Was the top returner yeah. in the state for sure, and. I think we, we were we we're going over, you know, who's coming back. And I'm like, well, you know, we might have a lot of meets where we don't have much competition. And, you know, we're kind of worried about that. And, and sure enough, I mean, the state relays are in January pretty early. And we yeah. were, you know, we don't get to practice a lot. We don't have right. any facility. And, right. 
Um, we weren't ready at all for, and uh, we'd seen the marks. I think you guys had gone to another meet or two, and yeah. you guys were jumping really high. Yeah. And uh, so, I, yeah, Emily had already hit 11.9 at that point. Marley had jumped 11.6. So that's what we were coming into the state relays with. You guys just, I mean, we, I didn't really have a partner for her that was, was ready yet. Right, Sam right. Sam was getting close, but we weren't ready to, to compete. But, but she, Marley and Emily took it to her. I mean, she was not ready. And then, and, uh, I don't know if we had gone, had we gone to Reno yet or was that No, after? no, Reno was after. Okay. That's why. Because I, okay. I remember, too, the funny part was you, you came up to me after the state relay meet, and you're like, yeah, because uh, I think Marley and Emily both passed the 10-6. Like, they opened at 10-6. Yeah, and we were like, what are they doing? And, like, well, yeah, <laughs> but you said, like, Chels turned over, and you're like, uh, they're passing. I'm like, yeah, wake up. Yeah, they're, and you're like, yeah, but you're still coming in at whatever, you know? Yeah, and I was usually pretty conservative with her. Yeah, yeah. Especially early in the year, but, yeah, I mean, she got whooped pretty good, and... And I remember she stormed out of the building, and you know that's, that was she. She always had her moments, but she knew how to keep it private. Right, but, um, right, She right. was really upset, and I said, "Okay, well, there's two things we can do, and we can, we can get better and yeah. get ready to compete with them, or we could just accept where we are and and do just fine and you know dominate <laughs> our area, you know, Ocean County Short Conference. But you know, maybe we're just not as good as them." And, See, you, you're you're so great at that because the way you just presented that, that's probably the way you said it to oh, her. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and it's like I could just see her boiling listening to you say that's that. That's from my dad. My dad would do things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but well, yeah, for yeah. her, I mean, she that that was not an option. Yeah, yeah, and so that was that was a little bit that spark that she probably needed, you know, which we've talked about. Like, oh, I always psychology. tell her to thank those those girls for making her as good as she was. Yeah. But Especially the, that year. The other thing I wanted to mention, then then we're at Reno and she's jumping, and that was like her kind of like best. We, we were in the A pit yeah. with the big girls, and we weren't, we weren't ready for that either. Right, but you guys jumped. But it was that cool. Was, that was your first really good Trigilla day. was there, right? Sure, I don't know, she was coaching right next to me. <laughs> Gold medal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I remember like going back to like the hay is in the barn and like developing an athlete through a season. So it's like, one, I, I hope that people who are listening can see how psychologically, you know, you're preparing her for what she needs to do going ahead. But then also, you know, you had a little bit of a turning point, you know, because we had talked about things a little bit going into that meet about speeding up her jump and just being as fast as possible. Do you, do you remember that? Not really. But... Get out of here. I remember having this conversation. Because you remember, like, the way I, I always talk about stuff is, like, you got to be fast. you got to yeah. swing fast and be as fast as possible. And you said that, you said to me that you started telling Chalice, like, you got to go faster. Like, just, just you got to get to the top of that jump as quick as possible. I mean, I remember Makes those. sense, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could, see, you could see the difference. I mean, it was just, like, she, she started swinging that day and really, really, I thought she was killing it. And you saw it the rest of the season, you know. She was unstoppable then. It went, yeah, I mean, I ended her, yeah, ended up really well, and then she had a little bit of an injury. The yeah. spring, it kind of set her back, but again, right. she gathers it up. Yeah. You know, pen relays kind of changed everything, but. Yeah. Yeah. But that, but that's awesome, and I, I hope people could see that, like, through a season, how, like, things kind of develop, you know what I mean? It's not just, it's not just one decision, it's not just, you know. It's easy thing. to say that a girl like that, come, you know, she ended up jumping 12-6 the summer of her junior year at, yeah. the, at the beach vault thing. And it's easy to say that she's just going to come back, jump in 12, 12, 6. And, but not and, so and, easy. And then, yeah, physically, yes, could she have done some really huge things. But there was so much more to it. And, right. And again, we... Like you would say, she's a senior in high school. She's a you know, girl going through whatever she's going through. She's got to make college choices, maybe boy choices, whatever. And there's a slew of things. So, just, like you said, just saying that she's going to jump 12, 6 again is not an automatic. That no, and I, and I said to her... My philosophy with indoor, where we and again where we live, where we don't get to jump, you know, we have, my kids have not jumped since the beginning of August, and they won't jump until the beginning of December. It's just the way it is. So if, if my kids get back to where they are at the end of the spring, by the end of the wind, the following winter, that's okay. Yeah. You know, we got a ten six girl coming back. If she's jumping ten six in February, that's okay because I still think she's going to jump eleven eleven six next spring. Right, right, but that's right. okay. It's different for us. Yeah, no. If you're and, not getting, but the, they don't like to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, look, I mean, I think that's something too that for people who are listening to this podcast, maybe like 
you know, they're out in California or Texas or somewhere else where maybe the weather's more favorable, you know, it's a challenge. You know, if you don't have a place to jump, you know, you have to, you have to figure something out, you know, and, and they're not going to have as much pit time. And like you said, you have to plan things out differently, you know. Well, I mean, we're, we're very, again, support from, from our department. We do get to go to the bubble a couple of times to mm-hmm. practice indoors. We do have a couple dates coming up in December. And for me, that's coming up. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited yeah. about that. But right. also, man, I would tell coaches, go to as many meets as you can. Get reps. Right. You know, you're not going to get reps in practice unless you have a place like this to come to. But right. for most of us, man, if a kid can jump in eight or nine or ten meets in the winter, yeah, that's a lot of reps. Right. You know, and, and I right. always t- I got kids that come up to me that go, well, I don't want to do indoor. I'm going to do spring, but I want to pole vault. I'm like, it's not going to happen. You have yeah. to do indoor. Right. It, and you it, have to it, do outdoor. It, it prepares you. Yeah, <laughs> you're it, you're it not doing one season of pole vault. Yeah, it, it definitely prepares you, you know. Um, I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Well, uh, first of all, I think this is an awesome thing you're doing. and I'm, I'm flattered that you asked me to be a part of it. But um, uh, do as many as you can. Get as many vaulters and coaches on here as you can. Uh, it'd be, it's, it's awesome. But uh, one thing I would, would like to mention um, – and again, developing our event, mm-hmm. our sport in general, just, I would love, you know, we talked about mm-hmm. some alternative competitions and stuff. Yeah. Just the way we present our event, this event, high jump, very similar, it can be so much better. It's so hard to tell right. who's winning half the time. And we yeah. talked about Scott Huffman. Huffman came up with uh, basically a manual scoreboard, like, okay. you, like you see at a golf tournament with the right, names right, on right, it. Right, 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 right. And we're jumping to the Kansas Relays one year, and he's in the meet jumping, and he's running this board at the same time, changing right. the names, and and keeping so a leaderboard. So see, yeah, like, what's going you know, on. We have the, the height indicator boards at a lot mm-hmm. of meets. Right. Sometimes they use them, sometimes they don't. Yeah. We got to be better with that. Right. But but there's more to it than just knowing what the height is. It's hard to know who's winning, and even for the kids that are competing. Yeah, they're and the coaches. Sure. Yeah. Like. And you're you're a coach that likes to pass a lot right. when strategy calls for yeah. it. Well, I I would too. I don't do it a lot because half the time I don't know what's going on. I'm right. at the high jump in between jumps. Right. Um, I'm running back. I'm not sure where we are in the competition. Who's winning? And and I'll tell ask my kid how how many misses they got. I don't know. Yeah. And and I just think there there's ways we can present it better. You know, let's get more fans than just. The kids competing and and coaches coaches and parents. Yeah, uh, I mean that that's definitely something that I think is important. And I was talking to you before we started the podcast. Um, uh, we should be getting Mike Pescuzo on at some point. He is the meet director for the Jersey Jumps Beach Vault, which we usually have something like three to four hundred vaulters that weekend. And I, you know, I would love to talk about something like some kind of summer series or something like that. And my big thing which I think is important is, you know, post-collegiate athletes, they need to bring, you know, a following with them. You know, even if it's just friends and family, that's fine. But, you know, you need, you need to develop that, that group of people that are going to come watch because if the only way a meet can make money is by entries, it kind of limits the meet. And it's not going to allow for stuff like prize money. You know, we need to be charging people to come watch. And I think it is a fun event. I think it's an amazing event. Uh, it's exciting. But like you said, we have to present it in a way so that people can follow, you know. So, um, I mean, if there's a, unless there's something else, I mean, I just want to say thank you so much, Jason. Um, You're quite welcome. It was fun. Yeah. Um, I apologize for all the exercise noise. Um, Got to mix for some fun background yeah uh but you know thanks again for coming down uh this was an awesome conversation i'm sure we'll we'll talk again on the podcast uh there's always plenty to talk about thanks